as pastors to make the Word of God real in our lives beyond the moments, the time we spend together here on Sunday morning or, or uh, reset Bible studies or just uh, times that we might be together in and around the Word that that, I, that it's important to me in my daily life and all that I'm doing and that, that if I can impress that upon you that what God wants from us as his children is that every waking moment that God might give to us, and especially as I get older, even laying down the floor doing Paw Patrol puzzles, I realize this little 40-year-old uh, granddaughter of ours is incredibly special to God, incredibly special to us. It's nothing like being, you know, I ran into an old, old friend of mine yesterday. I haven't seen him in years. And I was going from New Hope Church to play one basketball game, which we lost because I was coach. So I'm headed over to the other game, which I'm normally coaching that team, and, and Sean Wentz coached it from me yesterday, so they won. So I learned a little something that perhaps I should get out of the way and let someone else do that. So Sean Wentz, he didn't know that, so I'm sure not going to share that thing. So anyway, we put up in the parking lot, and I'm going in to see Sean. The game was already over. I thought I'd get there at halftime, take over, and lead us to a, a rousing victory. And uh, Sean had already taken care of that. They had the rousing victory without me. I don't know how that happened, but they did. So I'm in the parking lot, I'm getting ready to walk in the door. And I see this friend of mine that I haven't seen in years. And the game was over anyway, so I just stopped talking to him and his wife. And the, the tenor of our conversation, he's a little younger than me, but, but the tenor of our conversation was this. He was there. That was his third game of the day. He's not coaching or anything. That was his third game of the day to watch his grandkids play. And he just beamed me because he got to do what? Three basketball games he went to and he loved every moment because he got to watch his grandkids run up and down the court. Either they know what they're doing or they don't know what they're doing. They're just out there but you get to watch them. And I think the older you get, and I'm not saying as, parents, as young parents you don't understand this, but I think the older you get as a grandparent especially, you begin to realize just how special every time you get to spend with one of your grandchildren is. But beyond that, one of the things that God has impressed upon me, and I'm going to share with you this week and next week, is that in every interactive relationship with anybody, and it's a constant passion for me to share with you guys, is that that other person, it may be a co-worker, it may be somebody that, that, that might like me, I'm coaching these, these boys that I coach, a few of them go to the church. Most of them, by and large, do not. So I get to interact with their parents, many of them don't go to church at all. And one of the things that I want them to see is how much I love their kids, and I love basketball, and I love coaching, and I love just being part of their lives. And one of them this morning was here for the first hour I had to leave to go pick up his brother. And on the way out, he comes into my office and says, Hey, Coach Reedy, how you doing? She missed you at the game yesterday. And then I realized why he came to my office. He was going to suffer. And I said, well, I said, hey, 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 hey you got to wait for the supper after church. He goes, we got to leave early today. I said, you still can't have a supper. <laughs> I said, all right, you can have a supper since you're leaving. He can come in there really to see me, didn't he? Why'd he come in there? Because that's where the supper's all right. It's stupid. But he still got, got, gave me a chance to put him on around his back. He played a great game yesterday. Man, I just wanted to know. I'm really happy for you. So for a 10-year-old boy, it's a big deal for them to win a basketball game. Really good time. They enjoyed themselves, and 
My girls yesterday we played the game. They played really hard. I think it's a school thing. That in middle school, it, it would, and I thought if we can stay within twenty points, we're going to do well. And they played incredibly well, and we ended up losing by like ten points, something like that. And they they were right there in the game. I was so proud of them. Hard they played, and they went, and, and one team won, and the other team lost. What I get to do on a weekly basis, whether it's a practice or game, or just I get to spend time with those kids. Some are believers, some are not. Some know me really well. Some I've known their whole lives. Some I just met this year. Several players on my boys team I just met them a few months ago, and yet when I see them, whether it's a Kroger or a game or. Or they just, you know, they come up and say, hey, Coach Randy, how are you doing? And I love that. So one of the things I want us to look at, and look at your hand out, just here we are another year, 2018. I want this year for me, and I want it for you, to be one of those years where I look back, where I'm standing here in 2019, God willing, and, and, and we're still here in 2019, that can look back and say, in 2018, not, none of us are perfect, but in 2018, I lived out the life of the new creation. Because we don't know what's going to happen in the next 20 months, do we? Many of you know the Mary Cutsons and Mary's involvement in our youth ministry. has been involved here. She's been involved in Bartlett, man. I've known Mary for years. Sweet girl and her husband, Kevin. And, and not just so they go to church, but they're friends. Kevin's brother was just tragically killed the other night, stopping to help someone else who was a, had an accident. He pulls over to help and gets hit by got hit by a car. He's dead. He's good health. Man loved Jesus. He went home. They sure didn't expect that to happen in 2018. Started, did he? He's just stopping to do a good thing. He gets hit by a car and boom, it's, it's over. I don't know. Could that happen to me today? Sure could. If I had that right now, get back in Mother's Day, when that, the most that truck hit me, I'm thinking, this might be it. Because when an 18 wheeler hits you going 45 miles an hour, you don't only think you're going to walk away from that. But I did. Really, it's a few bruises I've seen. If he got killed, I want you to notice, I'm going to look at this today. That God wants to remind us as his children that we're not promised tomorrow. So we need to look at this one. So my encouragement to you this week and again next week is how can I do 2018? None of you are bad people. None of you are not doing life the best you can. But am I really focusing on every moment of every day, just not just doing life, but doing it in a way that would honor God as one of his children? So look at the top of your handout. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. This is one of my favorite verses for years and years. When I was a young Christian man in college, that a, and I got saved in sophomore in high school, Got married as a sophomore in college. And as a young Christian man, someone who that I really looked up to introduced me to this verse. He said, Randy, you look at this verse. He said, I want you to pause and think about it and meditate on it on a regular basis. And I memorized it 
use it all the time in my life that anyone that's in Christ is a Christian. You're born again. You're a child of God. Anyone that's in Christ, he is a new creation. He or she. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. In the original languages, I began to meditate on it and study it. And I've taught this passage many, many times. What it's talking about there, when it says all things have become new, it means God has given to you a new set of eyes. Now, I've got the same horrible vision. When I take these glasses off, all I see are shapes. I could not tell you one person that I'm looking at. But when I put them on, I can recognize faces and I can put names to faces. What God gave me as a believer when He saved me. The presence of the Holy Spirit entered my life. 1970, I was born again. He said, okay, from this moment forward, April 1970, going forward, you look at everything different. You have friends that are already your friends, but now you look at them like, do they know Christ? People in your family, people, people that you work with, are you really interested in where they stand spiritually? Because you've got new eyes. It's all my encouragement to you. It says, we look at 2018, and we look at it this way. Lord, I want to see everything <coughs> through your eyes. You still got to do what you got to do, you go, you, and you should do it. Talk about that moment. You need to go to work. You're a parent. You're a spouse. You're a friend. You're a neighbor. You're all the things and all the different roles that you function in. Number one is as you function in those roles, am I living out the new creation? Am I living out the Christ in me? Are my eyes looking at people and saying, how can I serve you? How can I love you? How can I be toward you everything that God wants me to be? In every, some relationships may seem just mundane, just going through the motions. But God says, no, no, stop. And realize that where I placed you at this moment in time, I chose to put you here. I could have been born any other time. I was born in 1954. Why? I don't know. But because of God knew that that was your eldest was going to start his career and that he didn't need me at some point. <laughs> I don't know. 1954 was the year that God chose to put me on the planet. You could have chose 2018, right? He's sovereign God. He could have chose some other time. But he chose 1954. Now, as I look back on my life, I see different reasons how God placed me where he did. And I love Waking up every day and realizing, all right, Lord, here's another chance. Another, I don't know what the day might bring. I don't know what the week's going to bring. What I do know is going to bring something. And as I interact with people, I want them to know that Christ is in me. He's my hope of glory. All the things we learn from Scripture and we memorize, when we meditate, it becomes who I am. Then it might change me so that they will know who I am. Not because you preach it, it's because that's who you are. If any man's in Christ, he's a what? New creation. Born again, Jesus said. All old things have passed away. All things have become new. So, as we look at 2018 and we think, I want a new perspective. Again, not that you're bad, but that, Lord, how can you use me, Lord, this year? That I can look back on 2018 and say, I was effective for the kingdom. Not perfect, but I, I was what God wanted me to be. So the first thing I want you to notice is turn to James. 
You haven't turned there, right? I'm probably thinking you mentioned it. Turn to the Bible to James chapter 4. We're going to work on this one today. We'll work on the rest of it next week. Turn to James chapter 4. First thing I want you to notice that God wants us to do is to plan things His way. Plan things God's way. You should plan. You should work your plan. Plan your work, work your plan. You should do that. But as a believer, someone who's a new creation, who has new lives, who sees everything differently, you need to understand you do that with the overall perspective that I'm seeking God's will in my life. That I plan my events God's way. Alexander the Great, maybe one of the greatest leaders the world has ever known, conquered the entire known world. He was very impressed with, with one of the Greek philosophers of the day named Diogenes. So he went to Diogenes and just he told him, he said, whatever you want, I'm Alexander the Great, I'm a conqueror of the, the world. I can give you anything. Tell me what you would like to have, Diogenes, and I, Alexander, will give it to you. Diogenes said, what I would like is for you to give me the least, quote, the least portion of the proportion of immortality. It's giving the least proportion of immortality, Diogenes said to Alexander. And Alexander's response was, that's not mine to give. Immortality is beyond my realm of influence. His quote was, that's not my gift to give. And Diogenes looked at Alexander the Great and said, no, quote, no, and why do you, Alexander, take such pains to conquer the world when you cannot assert yourself of one moment to enjoy? End quote. What did Jesus say about value? He says, It's the value of a man's soul. What's the profit you if you gain the entire world? As Alexander the Great did, and yet lose your soul. Well, Diogenes is saying, You spend it all have conquered everything, yet the most important thing is outside your control. That's what we understand that is believers. So what James was saying, a very practical book, what James was saying in chapter 4, which we're about to look at, was you should do your life. You have to do your work. And you should plan. The context of this, the culture was, this is the proper way to plan a year. It's a picture of a Jewish merchant, James chapter 4, we'll start verse 13. It's a picture of a Jewish merchant planning what he's going to do for the next year. And what he's not doing is acknowledging, number one, the uncertainty of the future, and number two, that God was in control of that future. So the result was, rather than trusting God, he was just planning and doing life. What he should have been doing is you should plan. And then work what you plan. But in the middle of all that you're doing is that you trust God. And you say you submit it to Him. There's a French surgeon named Nalatan. And he said, they asked him about how to work a very powerful, very uh, successful surgeon. It said, and he said, if I had four minutes to perform life-dependent surgery, I would take one minute one. It would take three minutes to do the surgery. I need to plan what I'm going to do. 
dropped away. Look at James chapter 4, verse 13. Come down, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buying and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. So what he's saying in verse 13 is understand this. You've got these great plans. Come now you who say, today, tomorrow, I'm going to go to this place, this city, I'm going to spend a year there. I'm going to buy, I'm going to sell, and I'm going to make a profit. And in verse 14, is what we then understand. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? It's a vapor. It appears for a little time, and it vanishes away. You notice there on your outline, we're just trying to get them to understand. What God is wanting us to understand as we read the book of James, as we listen to the Holy Spirit, as His word is opened in our hearts. Life is short. It's complex in a lot of different ways. And it's very unpredictable. You mentioned Kevin Cuts brother. He stepped out of his car the other night to help that person, unless he expected to be killed. That's unpredictable. And it's a vapor. We're not living our lives as Christians based on luck. We're not living our lives based on what might happen in the dice alone. We don't know the future. Nobody else does. Except who? Who's the only entity in the universe that knows tomorrow? It's your God. Your Father. Your Savior. The one we trust. The one we've committed our lives to. The one who is outside time. That's our God. And he says, trust me. The theme of the Bible, Habakkuk 2, the righteous shall live by faith. So what James is saying, you make all these plans, and that's fine. We need to understand this. Look at verse 14. What is your life, number one? It's a vapor. It appears for a little time, then it vanishes away. The Greek word there for vapor simply means like a misty smoke that you see, and then it's gone. Is that your life? Job put it this way, quote, my life is wind. And it's a swift ship. Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, my life is a shadow. And then Proverbs says, boast not yourself tomorrow. But the other thing that we understand as Christians, life is a vapor. It is here. Think about perspective. That's what God wants us to have. Is that he wants us to have an eternal perspective on everything. And I was joking this week, I was being funny as I want to be. And he said, your jokes are really helpful. <laughs> I said, yeah, but it's only been 44 years. You've been having to listen to them. He goes, I'm tired of it. <laughs> I said, I understand it. I'll come up with some new material. That's, what you, that's my New Year's resolution, is to make Mary laugh. Come up with some material that will make her laugh. But I think back how quickly 44 years has gone by. We met each other in 1970. About the time I got saved, or attending her church, we were 16 years old. And 
We've been going to school together for four years. We've never met. We met at church. And then we finished out high school together. College, get married. Time goes. You look back. Oh, it's gone. And what? And I'm not sharing it with you to depress you. I'm sharing it with you to understand perspective. 44 years. Long time. Eternity is his. No beginning. No end. I know that the body is present with the Lord in it, and I go to the place of paradise. And so what God says, the 44 years, the 50 years, the 60 years, maybe you get lucky and you live to be 90 or 100 lucky. God, whatever time God gives you on the planet, he then says, now come home to your rest. Enter into your reward. Enter into your rest, your rest, your reward, your rest. Understand that I, your father, am excited for you to come home. Because I love you. That's why Proverbs, uh, excuse me, Ecclesiastes tells us the best day of the life of a believer is when? The day you die. Because you go home and you get to be with your dad. That's significant to what James is saying. Yes, plan, work, you should. But understand, above all else, you got to trust God. He's the one that's in control. My life is a vapor. It's short. It's complex. You don't know what tomorrow will be. But you do know this. That God is always working in that unpredictable life that we're trying to figure out. It's so complex. He tells us in Romans 8 and many other places, I am at work. Romans 8 specifically says he is at work doing good. Even it's horrible things happen around us. We don't know tomorrow. What we know is that God is working to do something that's really good. We're just trying to figure out how to do life. God says, just, just trust me. I'm reading an old uh, Peanuts cartoon this week. Charles Schultz has done a great cartoon. Charlie Brown and Lucy were talking Lucy was trying to explain something to Charlie and she was always doing. But she said, you know, Charlie Brown, life is like a deck chair on a cruise ship. Some people place it so they can see where they're going. Some people place it so they can see where they've been. Some people place it where they can see where they are right now. You know what Charlie Brown's response was? I can't even get my chair open. <laughs> <laughs> you feel that way sometimes? <laughs> Everybody else seems to have focus. They, they got it together. I can't even get the chair open. What God says is sometimes that's just where you just, I don't know, Lord. What do I know as a Christian? I don't understand what may be going on right now. But what I do know is that my dad is in control. He's got it. He wants me to trust him and make my plans in a way that honors him. Look at verse 15. Instead of just saying, I'm going to do this, this, and this, you should do that, but you do it this way, verse 15. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this and do that. In other words, I submit everything to my life to the will of God. Jesus was teaching us how to pray in the model prayer, the Lord's prayer, whatever you call it. I told you many times, the two great principles in that model prayer are this. 
You hallow the name of God, revere it, honor it, glorify it, hallowed be your name, not mine, not anybody else, yours, Father, in my life individually, our lives corporately, in our families, we hallow the name of God, and secondly, we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's prayer. That's life. That's the Christian life. I want to hallow your name, Lord. 2018, I want this to be a year where I revere and glorify your name as I do, as I do what I have to do, and then I submit everything to your will. Your people say it all the time. If the Lord wills, like I even said it earlier today, if the Lord wills, this is what we're going to study this starting in February. I may not be here in February, but as of right now, that's our plan. We plan to do this. That can change. If it changes, it's all right, God. Like the old song, I don't know about tomorrow, but I do know who holds my hand. Because my God, who's holding my hand in the present, is also in tomorrow. He's saying, trust me. So life, it's short, it's complex, it's unpredictable. But it's about trusting And he submits his will for the will of his father. Verse 15, you make your plans. And then you say, if this is what God wills, notice the three things he mentions in verse 15. You make your plans and you say these three things. We shall live, may not live. We do this, and we do that. Because here's the other side of that principle that's so important. We make our plans. I plan to be teaching Acts starting in February. Mark is teaching in part. We'll do that together. That's our plan. Plan to go here. Plan to go there. We plan to do this. Please get this principle because it's so important. That's our plan. We submit it to the will of God. But if God says no to that, and that changes, what has to be my attitude? God knows what. Best. You don't make mistakes. Doesn't give bad, bad gifts. He only gives good and perfect gifts. He makes no mistakes. So if he changes something, a quick example, I have to be fine with that. The 18 years ago in May this year, May 2000, I went to see my cardiologist, just my semi-annual check. I played basketball the night before for a couple hours. I went in for my semi-annual check. Yeah, almost up. Look at the battle of my heart, making sure everything's good. Well, in the middle of the echocardiogram, he comes in there, the cardiologist, and I said, this is not good for the doctor. Normally, the technician does it. He comes in and starts doing it himself. He got through and didn't say anything, and then about a bit of rest, I come out, and he's standing there, not the technician, not the nurse. He said, can we go in the office for a minute? I said, I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> when you get called into the cardiologist's office, it's not a good thing. Walking in, he said, Randy, your valve is leaking like crazy. You need to have, you have to have it fixed. I said, well, What's that mean? He said, You're going to have to have open heart surgery. I had a lot of plans in May of 2000, things that I was going to do, do right then. What did God say? Now, you're not doing anything for six weeks, buddy. And then your life's going to be different. I'm still here 18 years later. 
For that six weeks, I was miserable. But what has to be my attitude? Did I want to help in our churches? No, I really didn't. When I woke up and I see you and that girl standing there saying coffee, what's the last thing I wanted to do? <laughs> I ain't coughing to you, yet you're going to cough. I said, do you understand? They just cracked my chest open and, and walked around in there for five hours. I am not coughing. People are rolling in the ICU that I did not want to see. We joke about it all the time. And, uh, I, I couldn't cough because I ain't had to put a tennis shoe in my throat for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I had those whiteboards that I wrote on it in my own. I won't tell you exactly what I wrote because it was simple. But I wrote the merit. What the are these people are doing in here? I don't want to see anybody. Maybe not even you. Get them out of here. I was throwing up. I was hurt. They wanted me to cough. They wanted to do stuff I didn't want to do. I was miserable. You know what I wanted to do? I'll be honest. My wife did. She called me. My two best friends, when you come here and see me, I wanted to die. I didn't mind going to heaven. I thought, y'all be better than this in my throat. <laughs> I wanted to, I, and I didn't care. I said, Lord, when God's will, see, that's the, that's the principle here. Mary called my friends and said, He's giving up. And they came up here for themselves and Scott Jones and made it worse. Taking <laughs> <laughs> tubes out of the wall, trying to make me laugh. And I'm writing on my whiteboard what? <laughs> Mary, get them out of here. Especially Chris. <laughs> God taught me so much. Or the gave me a deep thing. God taught me to be still and know that I'm God. Adverse still brings my You can't fix everything, Randy. Sometimes you just gotta relax. Be still. Know that I'm God. James is trying to get across. Make your plans. Do what you gotta do. Submit it to the will of God. And if he changes the setting, the scenario, you don't get to do exactly what you think needs to be done. You gotta be okay with it. Because how many mistakes does God make? Is he gonna start with me? I sure thought he did in May of 2000. I thought it was God's first mistake. But it wasn't. He doesn't make mistakes. So what he wants me to do is trust him. Look at verse 16. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good, it does not do it. But to him, it is sin. In other words, planning is good. You should plan. To not plan God's way or to not trust him in the middle of your planning is arrogant, boastful, evil, and sin. You want to have a better 2018? Plan God's way. What we're going to look at next week is after you make your plans and then you start doing life, how should you look as you do it? We're going to dress for success next week. So I'm going to give you a homework assignment. No, you won't homework, especially you young people. You won't homework. So for next week, I want you to read Colossians chapter 3. Next week we're going to start talking. We're going to talk about next week. Not that one. This one. Dressing for success. God's way. As I plan my year. Bang heads, please.
Father, we pause before you again, thinking about year after year after year, in some of our lives, many, many years, we've been believers. Lord, I, whether it's in my life, someone who's been a Christian almost 50 years, I don't want to just do another year. I don't want to do just another day. I don't want to do another hour. I want everything I do, every moment to me. I'm enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm enjoying people and relationships. I'm caring about others. Exhibiting to them the Christ in me. Going to work, doing what I've got to do. But in all seeking your face, planning to do what you want me to do, not what I want to do. But what I want to do is submit it to your will and then just do it in the midst of being a teacher or a plumber, a fireman, a preacher. Wherever you place me, whatever my vocation is, with my children as a parent, as a grandparent, as a friend, a coach, all that we do, then we're looking at other people and saying, how can I show them the love of Jesus? Even strangers. How can I show them the Christ in me, my hope of glory? How can I show them that I'm a new creation? Old things have passed away. All things have become new, and that Jesus makes that for them as well. You use us, Father, as believers in 2018 to be in that new creation that you created us to be. A new year that's exciting, because I am a new creation. And for somebody here, Father, who's not a believer, they realize Jesus offers me new life. He died in my place. That I could be a new creation. Just say to Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. Please forgive me. Say to me, I'm going to have a new day, a new year, a new moment. Going forward, I want my life to be new in Christ. Pray in Jesus' name. Please stand as we sing. If you'd like me to pray with you, I'll be down for you.